Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, the treasurer of the state of North Carolina, frequent guest on our program, the Honorable Dale Falwell. And notice I said honorable. What I thought that was uh, uh, very nice of me to do that. What, what do you think, uh, Dale? Uh, we're starting on an accurate note. Thank oh, you very okay. much for doing that. Okay. Well, uh, I tell you, you know, because the state health plan is so much uh, of interest to so many people, let's start with that. How about bringing us up to date on uh, exactly where we stand with the state health plan, which uh, is uh, under your direction? Well, let's start by thanking you for having me and thanking you. Thank you for this format. Uh, it to actually be in a situation where you can inform people, not just yell at each other and affirm what they already think is, I think, very valuable in today's society. And especially when it relates to the, your question about the state health plan, uh, I would say that the Curtis Media listeners are probably uh, the biggest share of them are are those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve who are very interested in the state health plan. <clears throat> Let me just say that uh, the state health plan is the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, but it, like all individuals and businesses, are facing tremendous challenges as the our health care industry has gotten more uh, consolidated into the hands of fewer and fewer of these multi-billion dollar corporations uh, who disguise themselves as nonprofits because they don't pay any taxes. Uh, and who are run by these multi-million dollar executives. And uh, we're doing everything we can to cut costs of, of health care. We've uh, eliminated the premium for our Medicare Advantage uh, retirees, Don, those like you and I over the age of 65, zero cost to them for the base plan, zero cost to the taxpayer. That is a $1 billion savings over the life of that contract. We're very excited about that. <clears throat> We're equally excited about saving nearly $800 million on our prescription drug program on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve. Um, we've saved tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in administrative expenses at the state health plan. And all this is an effort just to keep the thing solvent. Uh, I inherited one of the most bankrupt and insolvent uh, state health plans in the United States, according to Pew Research, just a few years ago. So what we're continue to to uh, strive for is a uh, is to get the hospital uh, association. Uh, I call them a cartel because of how they operate. Uh, to get them to tell people what things cost, to get them to offer a level of charity care equal to the tax benefit they get, to get them to stop breaking people's kneecaps and weaponizing their credit scores if they don't pay for this product. That, by the way, Don, no one wanted to consume to start with because that would mean you're healthy. And lastly, and most importantly, is to have the courage to release your compensation packages so that people can actually figure out that uh, over the last 40 years that these hospital executives have gotten their P's crossed. Uh, for most of our lifetime, Don, uh, it's always been patience over profits. Focus on patience, not profits. And now everything's about profits over patients, and we've got to get that reversed. The state health plan itself, just in closing, is, <clears throat> is as I said earlier, the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina. But when I was sworn in as the keeper of uh, the public purse, I inherited a 
34 billion. That's B with a billion with a B billion dollar unfunded health care liability. So we continue to work on that. Uh, you mentioned the Medicaid Advantage plan. Uh, tell me uh, what the difference is between that and the regular Medicare program and how that benefits the employees. Yeah, uh, two distinctions, and I kind of get them confused myself at the end of a long day. Uh, Medicaid expansion is something that's been a, a battle between the General Assembly and the governor for the last 10 years, which was recently signed into law, but it's not been put into effect until the budget comes out. Uh, that's Medicaid expansion. Uh, Medicare is for people like you and I over the age of 65. And these are the Medicare Advantage products uh, that are offered to folks our age uh, who are on Medicare. And the Medicare product is for our state retirees who are over the age of 65. So let me make it, uh, let me be sure I understand. So all state employees automatically get the Medicare Advantage plan rather than just the regular Medicare plan. Yeah, well, they choose. Because I see, the reason I'm asking is I see all these television commercials running about, uh, you know, you have to add it. Right. Uh, that, so that uh, doesn't uh, uh, that doesn't affect the state employee. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, uh, the state employee can choose to stay on just the regular insurance plan with the state of North Carolina and then to have Medicare as a supplement. Uh, but the Medicare Advantage plans uh, that you see advertised, we we have one book of business that has about 145,000 people in it. And uh, you'll be uh, interested to know that nearly 90% of those that teach, protect, and serve who are retired over the age of 65 chose the Medicare Advantage plan that we offer by Humana. Now, you mentioned Humana. That is a change in carrier, right? Uh, well, no, uh, <clears throat> we've had Humana. We're in the middle of a five-year contract. Uh, and uh, before then, uh, it was United Healthcare. Uh, the change in carrier that you may be referring to is the regular state health plan. And that is changing from Blue Cross Blue Shield to Aetna in, uh, in a year and a half from now. So now, how will that affect the uh, state employees? We are are excited about our relationship with Aetna. Uh, you know, Blue Cross is currently suing us. They're going to sue us till they're blue, I guess. <laughs> uh, and uh, but I just need to remind uh, all of the uh, your listeners, uh, those that are on this plan, that this this notion that Aetna parachuted in here and got this business is uh, simply uh, a ridiculous notion that, you know, Blue Cross is trying to spread. Uh, Blue Cross is headquartered in Durham. The three largest employers in Durham, North Carolina, which are Duke, City of Durham, and the County of Durham, none, not one of the three biggest employers in Durham, North Carolina, use Blue Cross Blue Shield. Two of them use Aetna, who we've chosen. And uh, Blue Cross has had this business for 44 years. I mean, the audacity of a state official to put something out for bid to get a higher value at a lower cost uh, 
for the members. Uh, that's what we did. The Board of Trustees unanimously voted on this contract. And it's very important for the your listeners to know this Board of Trustees is made up of appointees of the governor, the president pro tem, the Speaker of the House, and myself. It was a unanimous vote uh, by the Board of Trustees to go with Aetna starting in 2025. There's about $140 million worth of contract savings. But more importantly, we believe we're going to be partnering with someone who is more focused on customer service and more focused on the transparency that we are going to demand. We can no longer spend $3 billion of taxpayer money on something that we don't know the price of. And so we're excited about this relationship going forward. And uh, as I said earlier, we didn't change the body of the plan. That's the board. It stays the same. We did not change the engine of the plan, which is how it gets its money. Uh, we're simply changing the transmission of the plan, uh, sometimes known as the third party administrator. That's what we're changing out. Well, as you as you said, uh, I, I'm sure that Blue Cross Blue Shield is disappointed and they will probably continue to uh, uh, go after the plan. Uh, but this is a final decision. Is that correct? It's a final agency decision. They currently uh, have us in court. And, you know, I've said it yesterday. I'll say it today and I'll say it tomorrow, Don. It Blue Cross is a monopoly. And if people will look up the Constitution of North Carolina, Article 34, says that monopolies and perpetuities are against the free will of our society will not be tolerated. Uh, it is a monopoly. Uh, I wish that they had taken the notion that the chairman expressed to me uh, after they lost this contract, that maybe they should just go back and look internally on how they can be great again and come back and earn this business back three years from now. Uh, but that's not what they've done uh, since this contract was awarded with Aetna. They've operated completely differently. And as your listeners need to be aware, uh, they're trying to get a piece of legislation through the General Assembly uh, that changes their tax-exempt status and removes uh, the ability of the voter-chosen insurance commissioner of North Carolina to oversee and regulate them. That bill is currently in the General Assembly. and. Uh, Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey has really put his uh, best efforts forward to try to stop that because he's so interested, like I am, in protecting the consumers. Well, I don't think anybody has ever understood the price of prescription medicines and how sometimes they can, uh, a medicine that's been on the market, for like uh, insulin, for example, can rise in price when it's an old medicine that's been around forever. Well, it has. And uh, I, I know you and I remember 1964 and 65. Uh, that's when I first was exposed to insulin by helping my grandmother uh, inject herself uh, with insulin in the Maryfield Rest Home in High Point, North Carolina. And uh, I dare say I'm not a doctor, and I think you may be a doctor at this point of some kind, but I dare say that uh, the the standard insulin product has not changed a lot since 1965, except the cost. And I think you'll be really, really uh, interested in hearing, and I think it's going to make your listeners very happy, that three years ago, before any Republican or any Democrat started talking about insulin prices, 
I put forth a proposal at the state health plan board to eliminate the cost of insulin for our state employees because the cost had gone up three fold in seven years. And we were starting to see what I call, Don, insulin in adherence. Not a good sentence structure for a person who used to stutter, but I think your listeners know very well what happens when people are not adherent to their insulin protocols. It puts them in a healthcare vortex that they very rarely recover from. And not only was this the right thing financially for us to do to eliminate the cost of insulin, it was the right thing for our members too, because the more adherent they are to their insulin protocols, the healthier they're going to remain and the more they're going to be able to stay out of healthcare facilities. And it's so gratifying as the state treasurer and the keeper of the public purse when we can align things that not only save money, but are the right healthcare policies at the same time. Our guest is State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. State Treasurer Dale Falwell is our guest. Uh, Dale Falwell, of course, was a four-term member of the North Carolina House, including two terms, or two years, actually, as Speaker Pro Tem. And uh, he's also served uh, in other capacities, including as an Assistant Secretary of Commerce with the Employment Security Commission. And that all before he sought to become North Carolina's 28th treasurer, to which office he was elected in 2016. Uh, Dale, we're hearing a lot about inflation, and we're hearing a lot about recession. And, of course, the state treasurer is responsible for uh, borrowing money, and, uh, of course, interest rates are rising, and also making investments on behalf of the state with its surplus funds uh, from various sources. So how uh, bring us up to date on how inflation and recession is affecting us and and uh, what you're doing to control it. Well, Don, uh, thank you for the question. And I'll just start by saying this. 
Inflation is a thief. It's especially a thief. It's a burglar on lower and fixed income people of our state. Because in many instances, when inflation happens, people who have things, the price of them oftentimes goes up. But lower fixed income people don't have a lot of assets that will increase in value. And this inflation thing that everybody said was transitory, I don't think the average people, average individual who's paying more to drive, more to heat their homes, and more to eat at the gro get food from a grocery store, I don't think they're too interested in any word called transitory when they're actually having to pay the higher higher cost for everything at the grocery store. Uh, it's especially uh, uh, of importance to me as the keeper of the public purse and the state treasurer. As we have told your listeners in the past, uh, we're managing one of the largest pools of public money in the world. Just the pension plan is four times larger than the state budget that's currently being debated. Just the pension plan. And it only represents half of what we manage at the treasurer's office. We're now managing $248 billion. So while inflation is a thief, uh, we are seeing some tailwinds uh, in our investment portfolios uh, associated with the interest that we earn on things that we invest in that simply earn interest, uh, commonly known to your uh, listeners as a stock of bonds and, and certificates of deposits and other types of fixed income investments. So that's how inflation is impacting us. The great news is that uh, when other state treasurers are calling and asking me, how am I dealing with having to borrow more and more money on behalf of the state for important things like public education and public safety and public works and public roads. How am I able to do that in rising interest rate environment? And the great news for your listeners today is that we are not borrowing more money for, for general obligation debt. We are retiring debt. We are paying off debt. Uh, we are pre-refunding debt. The state debt of North Carolina is going to fall 60% over eight years, six zero. And if you stack your age and my age on top of each other, even over that whole 130 year period of time, Don, you can't find a water and sewer district, a city, a county, a state, or a nation whose debt has fallen 60% over eight years. And this is one major reason, as you know, and have reported on extensively, how North Carolina jumped up to be number one in the country for business outlook and business activity. I mean, when we're able to tell a potential em employer in North Carolina, small and large, that the state debt is falling 60%, you should see the look on their face when they realize they're coming into a state that actually has the strategy and the discipline to balance its budget, build surpluses, establish rainy day funds, and actually pay off their debt and something new for your listeners, uh, eliminate the corporate income tax over the next several years. I believe if my facts are correct, we're the first state in the country to actually eliminate the corporate income tax. 
This is fantastic news for our business outlook and business activity, but it all ties back to the strategy and the discipline to live within our means, balance our budget, and build surpluses. And that was a very long answer to your simple question about inflation, but it's very important for your listeners to know how all this works. Uh, if you'd like, in a moment, I'll go into the banking crisis because when you start pointing fingers at what has happened to the banks that have been collapsing over the last uh, two months, one major finger point that should be occurring is not only not only the uh, idiocy of the bankers themselves, but also the people who were supposed to be overseeing those banks. But most importantly, is the fact that inflation destroyed their bond portfolios so that when people came back in to get their money, uh, the banks were having to sell these investments they made at 80 cents on the dollar. And that's why one reason how this inflation has found itself into the banking crisis. Since you brought that up, of course, uh, a North Carolina bank for citizens has uh, been praised for their reaction to that crisis by becoming the acquirer of one of those banks. Tell us how that worked. Well, I uh, I can talk about this more than I could previously. I chair the State Banking Commission, and you know, a round of applause goes out to Katie Boskin and her staff, especially over the last 16 weeks, and uh, to Frank Holden and his staff at First Citizens Bank, who have now, in my opinion, because of this transaction and because of their ability to look in the mirror and realize that during all this crisis, that First Citizens Bank had their house in order, that gave them the juice, the strength, to go out and bid for the assets of Silicon Valley Bank. And I think it cements North Carolina as the second largest uh, financial center in the United States uh, behind New York City. It's great news. And uh, with everything that's gone on uh, with this transaction, I actually got a smile out of Frank Holden uh, once when I said this. And, you know, uh, he and I are two people who are hard to get smiles out of. I said, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Chairman, I said, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. He said, a fly on the wall where? I said, a fly on the wall in San Francisco, California, when they realized that the people from Eastern North Carolina might talk with accents, but we sure as heck don't think with one. <laughs> well, from everything I read, and I, I'm certainly not an expert on this, it would appear that First Citizens came out a real winner. Apparently, they're taking very little chance and acquiring a lot of assets. Yeah, it's a great deal for the uh, the Holden family, their management team, their shareholders, and their depositors. The people of Silicon Valley Bank, in my opinion, as well as the uh, the uh, citizens of North Carolina, it's a great transaction. It would have been great uh, if BB&T Truist would have possibly been in a position to to give the same kind of deal with. Uh, as far as the uh, First Republic Bank uh, collapse, uh, but I believe uh, Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan got that transaction. So uh, just another sign that we have great bankers in North Carolina. That was true yesterday. That's going to be true today, and it's, I think it'll be true tomorrow. And this uh, First Citizens acquisition of the assets of Silicon Valley Bank 
with the blessing of the FDIC is just uh, fantastic news when there hasn't been a lot of fantastic news in banking in the last uh, three months. You know, just as a refresher course, you might want to explain the difference between a nationally chartered bank and a state chartered bank. Yeah, the state chartered banks are regulated by the North NCOB, the North Carolina Commissioner of Banks. Uh, And as your listeners know, and maybe he's even listening to this show, uh, Ray Grace, I believe, was the head of that organization for uh, 44 years. Uh, He recently retired. And uh, the state chartered banks, that fall under the the commissioner of banks that I chair that board. Uh, the state charter banks are regulated by the 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 regulations of the state of North Carolina, uh, and the federally chartered banks are regulated by you know the the, the federal rules. Uh, there are some overlapping federal rules that affect state charter banks, and I would also say not to make this too complicated, but even in the credit union business. Uh, we have federally chartered credit unions and we have state charter credit unions. Uh, I don't have anything to do with any one of those entities. Uh, I'm just as this keeper of the public purse and the state treasurer in North Carolina, I'm just interested in people being banked uh, as a verb, B-A-N-K-E-D. I think that uh, people being banked uh, puts them in a mindset of uh, in my opinion, of of getting the upward mobility and the joy of achievement that they need. And uh, so I'm very excited to be the chair of the State Banking Commission. I'm very proud of uh, Commissioner Boskin and her team uh, all the time and Ray Grace uh, and the platform that he built. And it's just another sign that NC uh, also stands for no crisis in the state chartered banking system. Three of the 36 that we regulate, Don, are BB&T Truist, uh, First Citizens that we've already talked about, uh, First Bank, and 33 other great uh, state charter community banks. Uh, those are the, those are the uh, that's what falls under the State Banking Commission. And so, uh, you know, at one time, I think it was just sort of assumed that a state bank was naturally smaller than a federal bank, but Truist and First Citizens, of course, are real exceptions to that rule. Exactly. And, you know, uh, First Bank was one of the fastest growing uh, from a stock performance standpoint, I guess, maybe in 2021 or 2022, possibly, you know, uh, First uh, First Bank, uh, former Treasurer, Richard, North Carolina Treasurer Richard Moore, who's the CEO of that bank, I believe was the uh, founded originally out of Aberdeen, uh, North Carolina. Uh, it was one of the fastest growing, uh, best performing stocks. So, uh, even though there's only 36 of them, they're pretty powerful. If people want to start a bank, uh, is that possible through the State Banking Commission, or does that have to be done through the National Banking? Uh, not only possible, but uh, the R in GRACE uh, stands for Radical Hospitality. Uh, <laughs> we would be radically hospitable. Uh, with our, our door would be open, our mind would be open, and our heart would be open to assist any uh, group of individuals who were seriously interested in putting the capital together. You got to put tens of millions of dollars together in deposits in order to get the juice uh, to even start a bank. And uh, we would be really excited to help anyone who wanted to do that. And uh, that, that takes place right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, again, our congratulations to First Citizens, because again, everything I've read just says that they 
really, uh, that was a real coup and they came out well ahead. And, and I've noticed their stock price has gone up. Uh, uh, and usually when someone acquires something, sometimes the price actually goes down temporarily. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall when the people in San Francisco realize that we might talk with accents, but we don't think with one? <laughs> well, you know, we've said that for years about uh, Northerners, but... Having said that, uh, I think it's time to end this segment <laughs> and say we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of North Carolina. And we'll do that right after these messages. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? babies made what does this thing do kids are curious about everything including guns talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step but you can do more always keep your guns locked unloaded and stored separately from ammunition storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire including unintentional shootings for more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe visit endfamilyfire.org that's endfamilyfire.org what do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of the state of North Carolina. He's been in that office since 2016. Uh, Dale, we usually talk a little bit about uh, each time you're on the program, we usually talk a little bit about fighting fraud, because fraud, of course, steals from the honest people and uh, uh, and uh, someone has to pay the price of it. And so fighting it and keeping it to a minimum is uh, a real uh, obligation and an opportunity. So tell us where we stand in uh, uh, your efforts to protect the pension plan and the disability overpayments. Well, I'd be glad to. And, uh, you know, it, it's sad that in 2023 that the the audacity of uh of fraudsters or burglars uh whether it's in our neighborhoods or in a shopping center parking lot or uh through the financial markets is that a is that a is that a fever pitch and at the treasurer's office we focus on the number one uh when you manage a quarter of a trillion that's 249 billion dollars uh people eyes kind of glaze over so We've kind of created a culture of of common sense and conservatism where we focus on one. Uh, if there's if there's one uh, uh, hole in our systems that would allow somebody to fraud us in any way, shape, or form, you know that's one too many. Uh, and uh, we focus on all kinds of things. We have a piece of legislation coming through this year, for example, 
uh, Don, I think it's maybe hard for even you to believe. We have one million people on this pension plan now. One million. Uh, so that's one out of 10 adult North Carolinians. And my point of telling that to your listeners is that when you have one out of 10 of anything, especially with one of the fastest growing states in the country that are participants in your pension plan, mistakes happen. Uh, and uh, sometimes those mistakes result in us overpaying somebody. And sometimes they result in us underpaying somebody. And so our my philosophy as the person that makes these decisions is that and this is not specific to fraud, but is that when we underpay somebody, we pay them immediately, period, in the discussion as quickly as we can get the check out the door. If we overpay somebody, we try to be as compassionate as we possibly can and and stretch the repayment of those things back over a very, uh, you know, a shorter period of time. Uh, but you know, fraud is a big is a big deal in terms of uh, the financial markets are concerned. Uh, people uh, sending me emails to tell me that you're in jail, Don, which is not beyond reason. Uh, but I don't think I'd be the first person that you would call if you were in jail and say, Don Curtis is in jail. Would you please wire two thousand dollars? And uh, I uh, would obviously do that if I thought that was accurate, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, people send me emails that the governor's in jail and I need to cut a check off the treasurer's office to, you know, to get him out. Uh, you cannot believe how sophisticated this fraud has gotten. I heard from a uh, former const uh, a constituent back in Winston-Salem, North Carolina this week, who just got frauded out of $34,000 because they had hacked into the brokerage, the real estate brokerage account. They had hacked into the lawyer's uh trustee account and they had uh, sent instructions to this individual to wire $34,000 and uh, everything was on the exact same letterhead as everything this person had been receiving before and they wired the money and it was all fraud. So uh, all of your listeners need to be on the lookout for fraud uh, and starting with uh, just putting checks in your mailbox. Uh, my best friend in life, uh, we've known each other since we were nine years old. He's a plumber. Uh, he just got whitewashed for $5,000, Don, uh, where somebody took a check uh, that he had written to Ferguson, he, uh, you know, plumbing supply in Winston-Salem or one of the plumbing supply houses there, Murray Supply. And uh, they had changed the name. It looks so official uh, and cashed the check. And this is another opportunity for me to tell you Don, that uh, somebody that never gets talked about very much in our whole world are bank tellers. Uh, it's, it's, it's unimaginable to me if the truth were really known about the amount of fraud and elder abuse that bank tellers prevent simply because they've got great intuition and because they care about people. Uh, you know, I received the uh, Sunshine Award last year uh, from the press organization about open government. And, you know, I didn't receive the Sunshine Award based on my personality. I, I received it because of the work that we did at the treasurer's office to expose some of the fraud that was going on with the HOPE program that was supposed to be matching people who couldn't pay their mortgages because they couldn't work uh, with their landlords. And 
there's all kinds of fraud going on, but I want to go back and talk about bank tellers. Uh, they do so much to ask a question, especially when they see somebody who's been coming into their bank for years by themselves. And all of a sudden they come in with somebody that, uh, that doesn't, uh, uh, that they not accustomed to seeing with this individual and they bank tellers really stop a lot of fraud that they never get credit for. Well, that's, I'm sure that's, uh, a, uh, statement that, uh, we probably have not heard before and appreciate you bringing that to our attention. And perhaps the next time we go into the banks, we may need to take a moment and thank the tellers and say, I understand that uh, from the state treasurer that you and your uh, cohorts have uh, are sort of a first line against uh, fraud, especially at the bank level. And that's great. Uh, you, know, so, you know, most often we're asking them for a green sucker or for a, a treat for our dog. <laughs> that might be in the car, uh, maybe it's time that we brought them a little treat. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's talk a little bit about the state bond rating because that has always been a, a source of pride for North Carolina. Our bond rating is uh, such that it saves us a lot of money when we do borrow money. Uh, and uh, during this period of time where we're seeing interest rates rise, this is even more important. So where do we stand with our state bond rating? Our bond rating remains in a triple, triple A. That means that all three rating agencies, which is Standard & Poor's, Fitch's, and Moody's, have all ranked us as number one in, in bond rating. And uh, it's a sign of quality. Uh, and I say this as elegantly as I can, Don, but if any of your listeners are waking up thinking about bond ratings, uh, they need to get a life <laughs> and listen to some of the great music on your on your your and other kinds of programs. but to put this in some kind of context, uh, a sanitation grade at a restaurant to your viewer, to your listener, or a credit score to them is a, individually is the same thing as a bond rating to me. It's a sign of quality. The higher your grade, the higher your quality, and the lower the interest rate you have to pay. But as I said earlier in the previous segment, we're not actually issuing any debt, we're retiring debt. Uh, which is even making our bond rating even stronger. So it's kind of a it's a fantastic thing that's got, that's going on, and it's the reason that NC stands for nothing compares. Uh, but it's a sign of quality. Uh, we're very proud of our AAA bond rating. Uh, but I'll also tell you that there are things that are uh, finding their way into uh, some of these bond ratings that I'm not very comfortable with nor happy about. And that is some of these uh, ESG policies. Uh, I I think it's unfair, simply unfair. Uh, explain what an ESG policy is. Yeah, uh, ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance. Uh, I think in this inflationary period, it should stand for energy independence and safe neighborhoods and good government. But uh, these ESG policies are, have not only impacted our, our pension plan, we don't have any ESG policies in North Carolina pension system and we've we vote all of our shares in a way that represent the culture of our state uh, but these ESG policies Don are also finding their way through the banking system in terms of bank underwriting and they're also finding their way into some of the local governments who are struggling just to make their pension and and health care payments on behalf of their public service workers and all the while trying to keep their water and sewer systems going 
you know, sometimes these rating agencies will send them a questionnaire uh, when they're simply struggling to pay their bills and they ask them, how many electric vehicles do they have? You know, what is their plan for replacing all their vehicles with electric vehicles? And, you know, there may be a time and a place economically for that. Uh, but for many of our struggling towns and communities, water and sewer districts, especially when you have some of these counties that have a high proportion of low income individuals in them, uh, asking them how many electric vehicles they have is, is, is not the right question at this point in time, especially with inflation being as uh, wild as it really as it is. Well, you mentioned uh, 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 because you also have the local government commission. And uh, we have, of course, in North Carolina, a number of very prosperous towns and areas. But we also have a number of areas where the economics are not good. And uh, we have to handle that as well. Well, you're exactly right. And uh, I was talking to Gastonia this morning uh, to a Rotary Club. And uh, last a week ago tonight, I was the keynote speak. I was the commencement speaker at Cleveland County Community College uh, down in Shelby, North Carolina. So uh, these issues that we're facing are, are all over the state. Uh, you know, down in the West, it's the little town, it's the town of Kingstown that we've had to take over and Cliffside Sanitary Water and Sewer District. Uh, to the east of 95, we've taken over about eight, eight different towns. A lot of them are really struggling. And uh, last year, your listeners may remember, we dechartered East Larnberg because they had not consistently produced an audit for nearly 10 years. So they've been collecting property taxes, but not consistently producing an audit. And that's a very serious matter. Well, uh, and as you said, many of these uh, suffer from the fact that they are in economically depressed areas and uh, probably will remain that way just because of the geographic areas they're, they're in. Uh, we have some haves and have nots. The, the Piedmont Crescent running from Raleigh through Greensboro and down to Charlotte very prosperous and uh, easy for government to to uh, look for long-range planning. But uh, as you said, some of these smaller communities, long-range planning is actually tomorrow. Right. And some of these communities are depopulating. And, uh, you know, I'm a motorcyclist. I'm not a golfer. So I forgive me in advance to your listeners. But, you know, we got some small communities that are shooting under par you know, based on the real challenges of the depopulation of their areas, the fact that banks have pulled out or uh, their their hospitals have been closed by the major hospitals, they're actually doing better than they should be doing. And we've got some larger communities that are shooting over par uh, who have not put money aside for their unfunded health care and pension liabilities. Uh, they don't have the quite the reserve balance that that I think they should have given where we are with this economic prosperity. And and more importantly, with some of these larger communities like Guilford County, uh, they're trying to issue a school bond that is going to be in excess of the entire amount of state debt outstanding and general obligation debt. I mean, a county, one county issuing an amount of school bonds larger than the all the state general obligation debt that's outstanding. That's the concern I have, even in the urban areas. That uh, has to be a great concern because uh, every time you borrow some money, you've got a plan to pay it back, unfortunately. 
Well, you know, there's an old saying that you're more Shakespearean than I am, that uh, those who pay, those who take what isn't, doesn't must pay it back or go to prison. And unfortunately, and I know your listeners don't think about this, but there's only three ways to pay back debt. One is to pay it back. One is to default on it. And one is to inflate it away. And that's what ha- that's what's happening right now to the cost of debt. It's being inflated away through inflation. Our guest is Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of the state of North Carolina. We have one final segment coming up, and we'll get into that right after we take time out for these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time, as in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, the treasurer of the state of North Carolina, Dale Falwell, and we've talked about a number of things, including the state health plan, uh, we spent the first segment talking about that. If you missed the first segment, you can go online to Carolina Newsmakers and hear that broadcast. But it's very interesting and a lot of new information there. We also have talked about the the, uh, the cause of uh, or the effects, actually, on the state uh, finances due to inflation and the recession. Uh, we've even talked about the first citizen acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank. So we've talked about a number of things. And we've spent some time talking about the local government commission and the fact that some of our cities uh, are, are, are having some problems. And that is a part of what we have to deal with these days. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Dale, about uh, some other issues that you've got on your list. First of all, I guess I probably ought to ask you, what have we not covered that you would like to talk about? Well, it's always important to talk about uh, uh, nccash.com. Uh, and uh, it's uh, the $248 billion that we manage, a billion of that is something called nccash.com. Uh, that's the escheats division. But if you used to stutter, you shouldn't say that word too often in, in, a, in an afternoon. Uh, but it's simply for your listeners. Uh, it's where somebody tried to send them a check that they either did not receive or did not cash. Eventually, it has to be sent to the state treasurer's office. There's one billion. That's right. You heard it right. One billion dollars sitting at 
nccash.com. Uh, thanks to programming like yours, we've been able, we smashed all records this year, paying out over $120 million uh, out of nccash.com. And uh, we're excited about that. But and every time that I do newsmakers, we can literally see the spike in our traffic uh, because of people hearing about nccash.com on your this format and then going to our website. Uh, I've been told often that I have a face for radio. So if your listeners go to nccash.com, uh, if they don't see some one who looks like Adele Falwell, the state treasurer in North Carolina, they're at, they're probably at a website that's going to try to charge them. There's four things to remember. One is the money stays there forever. Number two, every state has the equivalent of nccash.com. Number three, there is no charge to look up your name. And number four, as a public service, there's no charge to make a claim. And uh, nccash.com, to tell you what your odds are, we have 10 million citizens in North Carolina. We have 20 million records at nccash.com. Uh, so all of your listeners, not while they're driving, but they should all go to nccash.com, check their name, maiden, kids, parents, grandparents, church, little league, their business name. I just cut a check a few weeks ago for $1.7 million out of nccash.com. We've got a couple of more for $500,000 that are in the queue. And, uh, it's just another exciting reason to listen to newsmakers because you can actually make money uh, by going to this website and uh, go to nccash.com. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. Well, one of the interesting things I had happened to me, I mentioned this to a relative of mine, uh, and uh, uh, she said, well, I checked it three or four years ago, and I got some money back. And I said, have you checked it again? Because this goes on and on. Just because you've checked it once doesn't mean some money hasn't come in in the interim. We have taken in $230 more million more dollars this year. So you're taking in more than you're actually paying out. Yes. And as a, as a, a state treasurer of North Carolina, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that to you, but it, the, the credit goes to the fact that our unclaimed property division called NC Cash is doing a fantastic job of monitoring this money. And, you know, some of it's $20 and $100, but some of it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, or in one case, $1.7 million. And, you know, what's happening is the technology is getting so good that we're able to chase this stuff down, especially from insurance well, and I think especially from insurance companies. No. So you get you get one insurance company claim like that. We just gave a lady two hundred thousand dollars from an old boyfriend that no one ever told her about. Been sitting there eleven years. You get a few of those in, you can see very easily how you get a quarter of a million dollars in every year. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I think needs to be stated is this is a uh, sign of good business practice because many of these companies, uh, you know, that have this money want to pay it and they don't have an address or they don't have the current uh, ability to communicate rather than keep the money, which I guess they could, it, it's against the law, but they could keep it. They do turn it in. And so I think the businesses uh, that, uh, and the insurance companies that, that uh, do this 
deserve a pat on the back for turning it into the state. Well, they do. And I, I know how far and wide the, uh, the Curtis Media North Carolina Network is. If you just punch up Bessemer or Forsyth or any of the other towns that are awake, if you just punch in a name like that, you'll just be shocked at how many school systems and EMS services and veterinarians and that have money sitting at nccash.com or just punch in. If you punch in Curtis, you're going to get, you know, reams of paper. If you punch in Falwell, we've been here 140 years, but uh, you won't come. There'll be a few names up there. So it's just fun just to go to nccash.com. Uh, you'll see a great big old button beside my, my, uh, my picture and it says search now and you just hit that button and you start searching. Well, I, every time I've searched or any of my companies have searched, we've always found some money. And that's interesting because obviously we always think that, uh, that it just can't be, but it, it can be. And I urge everyone listening to check it, check your relatives, check your children, check your aunts and uncles. And uh, now you can't get their money, but you can certainly tell them that their name is on the list. That's exactly right. And uh, as I said earlier, it's just another valuable reason to um, to listen to the show. And you're asking me what other kinds of issues. And, you know, in a previous segment, we talked about health care. We've talked about inflation. We've talked about investments. Uh, I'm very concerned with all the prosperity going on in North Carolina. You know, how we're going to actually protect ourselves from Washington, D.C.'s addiction for money. Uh, this medic- this uh, debt situation is uh, is serious and everybody focuses on the debt ceiling the problem is the debt the problem is the amount of spending they do in relation to their budget it's a very serious issue when you when you look up uh, don just recent in the last few years the increase in the national debt and the increase in the interest rate on that debt and you combine those two numbers together it exceeds the military budget it's a it's a serious issue, and with all the hundreds and millions and billions of dollars we have saved at the treasurer's office, especially over the last seven years, a lot of that has been simply wiped out by the increased cost of uh, school bus tires and light bulbs and paper clips and all the things that you have to buy, and Jason individually and 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 at Curtis Media. And you think about buying all that stuff as the largest business in the state, which is what the state of North Carolina is. It is the largest business in the state. So a lot of the success that we've had in North Carolina has been wiped out because of inflation and Washington, D.C.'s addiction for money. One of the things I've always appreciated about you, Dale, is you always worry about the smaller matters because... My dad had a great saying that uh, I think we would all be wise to remember. He used to say, watch your nickels and dimes and they'll take care of your dollars. Well, and and he's ex- he's exactly right. And uh, you have, he is, has been, and will be <clears throat> continually proud of you for actually, you know, implementing that strategy and we at the treasurer's office as i said in the earlier segment we focus on the on the number one uh if one person we're in the check delivery business if one person's getting a check that don't doesn't deserve it that's one too many 
if one person is not getting a check that deserves it, deserves it, deserves it that's also one too many. So these are just some of the things that we focus on uh, at the treasurer's office. And, and your dad was exactly right. And yeah, I gave the commencement address I mentioned in the earlier segment uh, a week ago tonight at Cleveland Community College. And and I told the story because I know you like people telling stories on your on this format. And I told a story of a person walking into a Taco Bell. And I know you may look at me and think he goes to Taco Bell a lot. Actually, I don't. But the person orders a hundred dollars worth of food, and the cashier says, "Don, would that be for here or to go?" <laughs> uh, since I don't go to the Taco Bell, I, I, but I do understand that's a lot of food, even at the Taco Bell. And the person ordering the food says, "You don't think I'm going to eat all that here, do you?" And the cashier says, "I don't know your life." And this commencement address I gave last week, I started with this story that. They cannot look at how I was introduced as the state treasurer and the keeper of the public purse, Dale Falwell, or how that I look and how I'm dressed. They can't look at that and even pretend to know my life. And so what I did, Don, is I brought the uniform that I wore when I was 11 years old working at Cloverdale Shell. I brought the uniform that I wore when I was a dishwasher at Mayberry's Ice Cream and Hot Dog Place in Winston. I brought the the shirt that I wore when I loaded trucks at Coca-Cola when I was 16 years old in high school. I brought the gloves that I wore when I was a garbage collector rolling these great big orange garbage barrels uh, through Forsyth County as a garbage collector for two years. I brought the actual mechanic shirt that I wore when I was a motorcycle mechanic at United Motorcycle Sales, Honda of Winston-Salem and young Harley-Davidson of Greensboro when I was taking classes at Winston-Salem State and UNCG. And I brought all these shirts because I was trying to let the people out there know because they were getting their associate's degree that some of them may have had to wear shirts like that too to get to this point. And I wanted to let them know that where you start in life has no bearing on where you end up. And I was trying to send the message that once upon a time, they were I was 44 times older than they were. And now I'm only three and a half times older than they are. And if they can figure that out, I might have a job for them at the treasurer's office. <laughs> but I was trying to tell them, press on them to find the people that you're going to stand on the shoulders of. It may not be the handsomest person or the smartest person or the wealthiest person, but find those people with integrity, ability, and passion that you can stand on the shoulders of and learn from. Because one day you're going to be my age and you're going to look back and be thanking those people like I do every day. That was my message to these uh, these graduates, uh, 896 of them at Cleveland County Community College uh, last Thursday night. And that's my message to uh, to all of your listeners today, uh, that nowhere where you, no matter where you start in life has no bearing where you might end up. Dale, thank you so much for those words of wisdom and also for being with us and bringing us up to date on what you're doing. Program has been produced by Jason Kong, and we'll be back again next week. Same time, same station, with another interesting guest. And so until next week, same time, as I said, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong 
Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.